Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Well Then. On this solo episode, I'm really excited to explore the idea of following your charm, listening to your intuition, trusting your gut. There's a lot of different ways that this can be said and explored and language that can be used, but ultimately you'll see that it's all about connecting to the part of yourself that is aware of the higher order of things. And that might seem totally second nature to you, or it might seem really silly and brand new. And like, how could that actually work if you're not used to being in your body, trusting your intuition, letting your mind be quiet and following the more kind of charming paths and decisions in our lives. So I'm excited to explore what that looks like because it's been a really big part of my journey definitely this year as of late, but also when I look back at the last 10 plus years of my life, my spiritual journey, my mental and emotional healing, even my physical healing, it all kind of comes down to the moments where I was able to get quiet enough to trust the decisions that might not seem to make sense in the moment rather than doing what I think I should or what other people would want me to. So first we'll start start by talking about the first kind of phrase that I mentioned because it was a new one to me this year, but the first time I heard it, it really resonated. So this idea of following your charm, I had the great pleasure and fortune of learning the practice of Vedic meditation earlier this year. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, Vedic meditation is basically a mantra-based meditation practice that you practice um, twice a day for 20 minutes each time. And you are taught and given a mantra by a Vedic meditation teacher when you learn along with lots of the other um, kind of science and teachings and benefits of this practice. And while I have practiced meditation for many, many years now, this form has been new to me and the teachings um, of Vedic knowledge have been new to me as well, but they've really been resonating and feel like almost like it's a remembering of, yes, absolutely. That makes sense. Okay. This is, this is the order of things. And this is helping me make sense of the world around me in a new way. And so even before I learned Vedic meditation, Vedic meditation from my teacher, Susan Chen, um, we were having tea or coffee. I think it was tea <laughs> one day at her apartment in New York city, um, shortly after I had moved there. And she started talking about this idea of following your charm. And I later learned more and more about it um, as Susan's teacher, who is Vedic meditation master, Tom Knowles, talks a lot about following your charm as well. And in the Vedic tradition, you know, I'm probably butchering this a bit and getting it wrong. So I'll have to have Susan on the podcast so she can explain in more detail. And I know that Tom talks about it on his podcast as well, um, which is called the Vedic worldview. So you could go listen to his explanation of it too. But in my understanding of it, it's basically using our practices like meditation to get rid of the noise in our mind that would tell us uh, all the things that we had to do, um, 
you know, other than the things that are actually most pertinent and most important for us to do in those moments. And all of the ways that we make ourselves busy, all of the shoulds and the obligations and the constructs of society that have us make decisions and follow paths that may not actually be in the most alignment or in the most integrity for us. Um, But, you know, we follow them and we choose them because we feel like we should. And when you practice meditation and all these other things that help you get more in your body and connected to your higher self as well, and, and out of the kind of busy thinking mind, you're able to follow the things that feel the most charming. So when you think of that idea of charming, and you might think of a person who's charming, they're maybe somebody you really enjoy being around, they're alluring, they're fun, they're exciting, they're flirtatious, whatever charming means for you, experiences in our life can be charming as well. So we start to look for, actually, we don't even actively look for charm. I think we just become more attuned to it and feel into our bodies the things that feel charming versus the things that don't. And it might not make sense on the surface, but when you feel into it, you know which way feels more charming to you than the other. And making decisions from that place ends up leading to a lot of really cool and magical experiences, even if they might be simple and minute, because following your charm doesn't have to you know, ultimately end in you winning the lottery that day. It could be as simple as you know, you get to really enjoy a cup of coffee um, in a coffee shop you've never been to because that's where your charm drew you to that day. It can be really simple, but still have a kind of profound impact on our overall quality of life because we trust that we're making decisions from this more kind of exciting and empowered and authentic authentic place. So I started to adopt the idea of following charm even before I was practicing Vedic meditation and practicing now throughout this year has helped me attune to it even more. And one thing that I really, you know, want to note even before I dive into the the other other takes and variations on this idea and and using different language is the fact that things don't have to make sense for you to say yes. When I look back and reflect on some of the bigger decisions that I've made in my life, many of them don't make sense in the moment to myself or others. You know, when I try to think about it logically and rationally and break it down and do pros and cons lists, the decision that I made wouldn't always be the most logical one. It wouldn't always have been the one that's like, okay, yeah, well, when you add up X and Y, it equals Z. And so, yes, I should make that decision. Oftentimes I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I don't know why I'm making this decision because my rational, logical thinking brain is telling me all the ways that it could go wrong, but something else is telling me that it's the right decision and that I'll find out later why. And the same could be said of the people in our lives. You know, something might be telling you that you have to quit the job that you're in and everybody around you is like, are you crazy? Why would you quit that job? You've got benefits and it pays well, or, you know, it's the career path you've been on. It was your college major, whatever it might be. You've got friends and family and coworkers who tell you, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. There could be a bad outcome. 
And then you get in that kind of fear and scarcity mindset, and you might start to doubt and question whether that idea, that choice is the right one. Whereas charm would have you follow the path and make the choice that may not make sense in the moment, but feels the most authentic and feels like it's leading you down the path that you ultimately want to be on. And again, that's just my understanding of what follow your charm is. And another way that I really like to look at this is something that we hear a lot. It's this idea of following or listening to your intuition and trusting your gut. So now to kind of cross modalities um, a little bit, there is a kind of school of study called human design that is correlated a bit to astrology in that um, our human design is based a lot on kind of planetary alignment at the time we were born. Um, But when you really get into the study of human design, it's pretty fascinating and wild how spot on some of these um, kind of characteristics and ways of being and personality traits can be. And it's not just like saying like, oh, he's a Scorpio. So that's why he is that way. Although, you know, there are are plenty of people who have a lot of belief in that form of astrology, but human design really gets into the nitty gritty of how to live the most authentically and, and like how to take action based on the way that we were designed and how different people are designed in different ways. And so there's not like one blueprint or cookie cutter way to live life and to make decisions and to show up in our work and relationships and even like our health and body and the way we eat and all that human design, there's so much valuable information there. So I'm not an expert in it by any means, but I've just been studying it the past couple of years, um, kind of for myself personally, out of curiosity And for those of you who are familiar, um, well, actually for those of you who aren't, um, there's four main human design types. And then within those four types, there's all these other, um, profiles and authority centers and, um, kind of different elements that factor into making you your unique kind of blueprint and why you are the way you are. So of the four types, I am the generator type and I have a sacral authority. So basically what that means in a nutshell is that my design is such that I really make decisions from the most authentic place when I kind of trust my gut and literally feel into my body, into that area in my low belly, when it feels like a strong yes or a strong no. And the same is true for anybody else who's a generator with a sacral authority type. And when I make decisions, not from that place, like when I try to make decisions from my head or before I feel into the yes or the no, um, is when things can maybe get a little messy or go wrong, quote unquote, not according to plan, or just be a little bit more difficult or have more resistance than I would prefer. And for me, the, it's been so valuable to lean into this and the last couple of years practicing making decisions from that place because even for somebody who's been so immersed in the world of wellness, I spent a lot of time in my life not embodied, not being in my body because I have um, always been very hypervigilant to my surroundings and to the emotional experiences of other people. And um, 
really using that kind of trauma response as a way to make sure that I feel safe by controlling my environment, feeling what other people are feeling, making decisions based on what I think other people would want me to do and what would kind of keep the peace. And so I learned over the years to give my power away by trusting other people's authority more than my own. And this is really common. I'm sure lots of you listening can relate to that. Um, But it takes a lot of practice to unlearn that to reprogram that pattern. And so for me to actually physically get in my body, drop from my head, my thinking mind down into my gut, literally in my gut area and feel into, is this thing a yes or is it a no? And if I can't feel either, then it's a not yet, which means don't make the decision yet. I always thought I was a really indecisive person and other people in my life would say that about me too. I appeared to have a really hard time making decisions, would really struggle with it. And when I look back on it, I think it's not so much that I couldn't make decisions for myself. It's that I had taught myself um, not to, essentially. I had taught myself to rely on the decisions of others for my own worth and safety and security and lovability and to believe that what they would want would be better for me than what I want or to not trust what I want Um, and to go so far as to not even be tuned in to what I want. So I really felt like I was indecisive because I didn't know what I wanted. And the reality is I was just disconnected from what it feels like to want what you want. And So this has been a beautiful practice and a challenging practice at times because there are absolutely moments where I'm like, oh, this is exhausting. I just want somebody else to make decisions for me. I get what I like to call decision fatigue. And I talked about it recently with my my cross-country move, which we'll get into more in a minute, um, of like all the decisions that have to be made of like finding an apartment, signing the lease. Um, choosing a mover, getting new furniture, getting all like choosing all the little things that make your new house a home, um, choosing a car because I was living in New York City. All the, these decisions, big and small, that I had to make led me to this place where I was exhausted. I felt empowered in a way because I was really practicing the art of getting into my body, into my sacral center, and trusting my gut yes versus no decisions in the moment. Um, but (laughs) for somebody who's been out of practice with that for, you know, the first 28 years of her life to, um, to make so many decisions in a row was definitely a bit draining, but yeah. So I really thought that like, okay, I'm just indecisive and I don't know how to make decisions. And the reality is that for somebody who, you know, whether you study human design or not, if you're somebody who really relies on, that gut feeling in your body, trusting your intuition, following your charm, whatever it may be to make decisions. If you're not seeing a clear yes or no, but you're feeling pressured to make a choice anyways, it can feel like indecisiveness when the reality is it's just not time for you to make the decision. Put that dilemma or that choice to the side for now and come back to it when you feel a clear yes or a clear no. And sure, there are absolutely going to be moments in our lives where you have to make more of a split second decision. You don't have time to wait on it. And in those instances, you just do your best to tune into 
your body and feeling into whether it's a yes or a no. But in, in the moments where you have the luxury of waiting, put the decision on hold. You know, other people's urgency is not your urgency. If the decision can truly wait, let it wait because you'll be, you'll feel so much better for having let it. So that's definitely an important thing to, to address as well. And, you know, then we start talking about trusting. Okay. So we we're talking about trusting our gut a little bit, but also the idea of listening to your intuition. So one thing I want to point out is that this can appear really differently for different people. I think that many people might have the the understanding that your intuition is just like this little voice in your head that speaks to you all the time, like your conscience. But the reality is that's not the case. Intuition shows up really differently for all of us based on our unique skills, abilities, gifts, and the way that we tune into the world, as well as the way we tune into kind of our higher self or spirituality or whatever connection we may have. And so that means that, yeah, sometimes intuition for people can show up as a voice in your head. It can show up as hearing messages, hearing those yes, no answers, those responses. But for some people, it can show up like visions. It can show up like you close your eyes and you see the outcome in front of you. And so you know what choice to make based on what you're seeing, or you can visualize, you know, what could happen, what might happen, and and not from a place of anxiety, like future stripping, but it's more like you have clarity in the potential outcome. And so you make a decision from that place, or you could literally see the word yes, or see the word no in your mind's eye. For some people it is um, feeling. So you feel it in your body, like the sacral authority, the generators, you might feel that kind of either sinking feeling in your gut, which could indicate that it's a no, or maybe it's butterflies in your stomach. And that indicates that it's a yes. Um, everybody has something a little different. Maybe you feel it in your chest, your heart space. Maybe you feel it in your throat, but having the ability or rather the superpower to tap into your body and notice what it's feeling in the moment and use that as your compass is so beautiful. And that is a really strong gift of intuition. So yeah, for some people it's auditory, for some people it's visual, for some people it's feeling or kinesthetic. And the most important thing to acknowledge is that it is different for everybody because that gives you permission to trust what is your intuition and the unique way that it presents itself to you. And just like anything else we talk about with wellness, with um, love, with spirituality, there's no one size fits all. So trust what's showing up for you and the way that it shows up for you. And then just practice it because like me, I had been out of practice for so many years. I had to practice feeling into my body, noticing the sensations and seeing like, okay, that feels like a yes, I think. Uh, let me say yes and see what happens and give myself some grace and compassion and permission for that to be the quote unquote wrong choice. I put it in quotes because there's really no wrong choices. We learn from everything we do and <laughs> every way we show up. And I'm really a believer that what's meant for you will not miss you. So even if you make a choice that kind of deters you off your path or makes it take a little longer, 
you came here for such a unique purpose and a unique reason that is specifically yours. And you're here to fulfill that in whatever roundabout way that takes on. So trust that as long as you keep showing up for yourself and for your path and in a state of wonder and questioning, you'll get there. You'll get where you need to be. And along the way, you'll already be where you need to be. You know, the cheesy thing is the journey is the destination. It's so true. If we were just waiting to get somewhere our whole lives, it it would be kind of a waste. So practice. (laughs) Let yourself practice feeling into those yeses and nos. See how they turn out. See what happens when you um, ignore that feeling as well. Like if you feel that it's a yes or a no in your body, but you say yes anyways to, to make somebody else happy, see how that turns out. See how that feels for you. Does it feel kind of crappy? Probably. Yeah. Because you're out of integrity with yourself. And then next time, see what it would take for you to say no when it's a no. And it's funny because when you don't trust these (laughs) answers and responses, you will get the message somehow. If you're somebody who your, your body is kind of your compass, like me, it's really trusting your gut. I get messages, very clear signals from my body when something is off, often in the form of health issues. So I've had digestive issues my whole life, pretty much since I was a baby on and off. And when I look back at the chapters where they were worse and the symptoms were a lot stronger, it's usually a point in my life where I wasn't making decisions that were authentic for me. And I was trying to fit into somebody else's um, box or somebody else's picture of what I thought that they thought my life should be like. And this practice of really just making decisions for me, even when they don't make sense to anyone around me, has been such a gift because I've noticed my body healing along the way too. My body doesn't have to be the one to tell me when things are off anymore. It doesn't have to get, you know, to the place of severe symptoms because I'm listening along the way. And that is so beautiful. And you know, many of you who've been tuning into my journey this year know that I've been going through some pretty intense health issues more now more than ever. And we talked about a couple episodes ago, this idea of the things that show up in our life to get our attention. I think that oftentimes those things show up because we're not following our charm, because we're not listening to our intuition and trusting our gut. And so they show up to get us kind of back on course to course correct us so that we don't have to take the long roundabout way to get there. Maybe we get there a little quicker when we start to pay attention. And so talking about things that don't necessarily make sense, you know, I like to use my life as basically like the the science lab, the trial and error testing ground and battleground for the things that I ultimately learn and integrate and then teach and share to other people. So that's why you hear a lot about, you know, my, my life and personal stories on here and on social media this year has been no exception to that. I recently moved across the country again, after having moved from California to New York, just a few years ago, um, I moved from New York back to Seattle, um, just a few weeks ago. And on the surface, 
it didn't seem like this decision made sense at all. I had uprooted and relocated my whole life to the East Coast with so much excitement about moving to this new city. And New York is really such a special place that absolutely still holds my heart. And, you know, even though part of the time, more than half of the time that I was living there was a global pandemic, I still had so much appreciation and joy and gratitude for my experience there and for that city. And I had, you know, intentions of really putting down roots and building a life out there. And so when I started to get the feeling that it was maybe time to move, at first I resisted it because I was like, no way. Like I just moved here and, and like, then the pandemic hit, like, I still need to like really experience this city. Like I'm going to stay here for the foreseeable future because I'm still in this chapter of my life. So I kind of ignored it for a bit. And as you know, my health issues have definitely been a focus this year, dealing with chronic Lyme disease and all the co-infections along with that kind of took priority, figuring out what was going on. And through the most beautiful (laughs) series of events, I ended up in back in Seattle for part of the summer, um, which was just fine by me because as much as I love New York city, the heat and humidity in the summer, there is way too much for me to handle. I am definitely a cold weather girl through and through. Um, and it definitely doesn't help that it smells like hot garbage in the summer too. So I was happy to get back to the Northwest. And while I was out here, had no intention of moving back. I moved away from Seattle when I was 17. And while I absolutely always still had love for this city, I never really saw myself moving back here unless, you know, some kind of uh, fictional day in the future where maybe I'd raise a family there kind of thing. And so I definitely never thought I'd move back to Seattle while kind of single and still building my career and all the things that I thought that I needed to have figured out before moving back. So I thought I was just there on vacation and pretty quickly started to realize that this was supposed to be my next move. And things started falling into place, like finding a doctor to help treat my Lyme, um, things in New York that were kind of unraveling that made it feel more okay to leave. I still had some resistance around it, but I just made the decision anyways. And it didn't necessarily make sense to me or to other people like, okay, I'm leaving New York. Um, I'm moving back to Seattle. That feels kind of random in some senses, but in others, it feels absolutely right like spot on the, the thing I am meant to be doing. So I put that decision out into the universe. And from there, everything started lining up, which is often a sign of how, you know, you're making the right decision is when things just start flowing and it feels easy, even if it's big and there's still logistics and challenges, if it feels easy or, or simple or authentic, that is your charm. That is your intuition, your higher self leading you. So all the things that needed to line up did from finding an apartment to finding movers to um, getting a car, all the things. And I still had a lot of question marks around how's it going to feel? What's it going to look like? But I was trusting that my charm led me here. My 
intuition is always right. And it was once again. And being here for a couple of weeks now, I <laughs> truly couldn't be happier. Like I've had a few moments where I've just been in tears of joy and gratitude that my path led me here because it feels so right. And yes, I still love New York City. I'll go back and visit there. I have friends there. I have work there. I might do another chapter there at some point in my life. Who knows? I'm open to, <laughs> to wherever the path leads. But for now, I am so certain that I ended up where I was supposed to be at this chapter in my life. And I'm so grateful that I had the ability to say yes, even when it didn't make sense and to uproot my life once again, move across the country, do the hard thing because the easier thing would have been to stay and to be in my comfort zone and not have to make a big change. And I, I did it anyways. And when I look back at any other time in my life where I made a similar choice, good things always result. So this is really just your invitation today to take a look at what is your intuition telling you to do? How does your intuition show up for you? What does it feel like? Is it in your body? Is it a knowing? Is it a sound? Is it a voice? What does it feel like when you trust your gut? And what does it feel like when you don't? And what does the idea of following your charm mean to you? And I promise I will have Susan on a podcast. Susan, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I hope that's okay with you. Um, at some point in the near future, so you can hear her speak about it more. And, and her story is so wonderful as well. But that's it. That's the, that's the invitation for today is to consider what if, what would it be like? And then to practice it, follow your charm, listen to your intuition, trust your gut because it knows your higher self knows what you really want and what it will take to get you there. And the more and more you do that, the more and more amazing and joyful and expansive and magical your life will feel. And that is what I'm having so much fun practicing myself. So I want the same for each and every one of you. So let me know once you go and practice it, that let me know how it feels. If you have questions or want me to clarify or expand on anything I've shared today, please reach out. I love hearing from you guys, whether you send me a message on Instagram or email or reach out through my website. Um, I love connecting with all of you and I am so excited to continue to explore themes like this and love stories and just be in this really beautiful, expansive, magical energy with you guys this season and beyond. So thank you as always for being along the journey with me and until next time, I hope you have a magical and charming day. Mm -hmm.